Hi, I know you've been missing me. I'm back. This is Becca Martin Brown and a What's Up podcast. And today with me is Dan Hoy, who is playing Monkus Strap in the touring production of Cats, which I saw last night and it was fabulous. <laughs> also with us is Jennifer Wilson, who's the PR director for the Walt Art Center. And we get a few minutes to visit with Dan about his first national tour. Yeah. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being on tour. It was wonderful. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I don't know how you you. even can walk today. Uh, I don't either, to be 100% (laughs) honest with you. Uh, And, you know, today we're feeling okay, but talk to me on Sunday night. Right. It shows a week two matinees. Yes, Yes, exactly. Exactly. So you knew the show before you auditioned for it. I did. So I grew up with this show. Uh, My parents had the VHS tape of Cats. I believe it was the 1988. You're not that old. (laughs) I believe it was the 1998 West End production, uh-huh. uh, and I watched it so many times that I actually broke the VHS tape, Excellent. and they had to buy me the DVD. So this was a really cool full circle moment for me. Um, this is my first major, uh, this is my first job out of college, mm-hmm. so to ha- kind of have this be the first of that part, this part of my career was really, really exciting. That's so fun. Did you audition for this particular character, or did you just audition? I auditioned for this particular character. You knew um, you wanted to be him. I did. Actually, what happened was I got an appointment um, through the casting office for this role, which actually, ironically, had been the one that I was the most drawn to when I watched the VHS tape. There was something about him... Though, I will say, I actually really wanted to play Bombal Urena as a kid. The, uh, the, the sexy cat in red. Right. Um, but uh, there was something about this character, his, his poise, his grace, his, his power, mm-hmm. that w- was really alluring to me. And I remember when I got the initial call, uh, I, I knew I at least had to go in for it. I wasn't sure if I was going to book it or not, but I had to at least go in for it. And I actually had a relatively quick audition process compared to a lot of the other people in the cast. Um, I think it was, I went in for the initial call and then uh, two others after that. So it went, it went, uh, creative, it went uh, casting team, creative team, producers. Wow. Yeah. So it was, and it, what was crazy about this, because you would think with this production, the first thing they would have you do would be dance. It was the very last thing I did, actually. <laughs> very last thing I did. So the thing with Monka Strap is he is much more of a vocal acting mm-hmm. role. You have to be able to move. Do not get me wrong. Right. You have to be able to move. But I would say that I'm a singer-actor first and a dancer second. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but it, it, that was a funny thing to me. I was like, what if we get through this entire call and then we get into the dance call and I, I, what if I couldn't move at all? What would happen then? But, um, but fortunately, things worked out. So here we are. And I was about to ask you if you were an actor or a singer or a dancer first. What did you intend to be when you grew up? So I, I've always... I was a dancer when I was a kid. I was a dancer when I was young. And then I had to have some surgeries on my ankles that took me off my feet for about a year. And I had been singing that entire time. So I was a vocalist for all throughout my childhood, all the way through middle school. And then when I got to high school, I kind of flipped that focus into acting. I attended a, uh, a performing arts school called the Academy for the Performing Arts in a town called Chagrin Falls. And... When I was in high school, I actually had more of a focus on straight acting. Um, so plays, uh, we would do the classics I did, you know, Hedda Gabler, and I did uh, uh, I did Midsummer Night's Dream, Romeo and Juliet, um, uh, did a little bit of Hamlet. And uh, when I went to college, I knew I wanted to go into musical theater, but I've always kind of had a draw back towards acting. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely say a singer, singer-actor primarily, but again... 
I move well enough to, to make these things <laughs> oh, work. Oh, yeah, he does. Let me tell you. <laughs> so... How much backstory do you create for yourself from Uncas Strap? Oh, it's actually insane. I This is one of my favorite things to talk about. We talked about a little bit about this. I've talked a little bit about this before. Um, Cats is... One of the biggest criticisms about Cats is often that people don't think it has a lot of a plot. Which, to be fair, on the surface, doesn't appear so. It's, it is a conglomeration of poems by T.S. Eliot. And being such, it is... The, the plot it has to be threaded through the poetry rather than the other way around. Which in most musical theater, you have the book, and then the music is built upon that plot. This is a little bit different. I, I like to define it as a little bit more of a devised piece. It's one of the first pieces in musical theater that is a little bit more of a devised thing. I wouldn't have said that, but yes, um, you're right. Yeah. Um, so what's really incredible about what we get to do as actors, then, is we get to fill in and flesh out all of those those moments. We're given the skeleton of everything. And every single relationship you see on stage has been discussed by the creative team with the actors. It has been it has been formulated in the room. I have specific relationships to every single cat on stage. And I have relation and we have backstory. We 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 know what our uh, how we've grown up if we have we grown up together, are we an older or a younger cat? What is the power dynamic? And while all of this might not read directly to the audience, I think that it informs the the vibe and the emotion and the feel of what's happening on stage. And so I'm assuming that Monkestrap is kind of senior next to old Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. He is he is the leader in training. What what I think is really cool about this character is he he is a bit flawed throughout the piece. Um, he he's trying to keep the evening together. It's the evening of the Jellicle Ball. It's like their Christmas day, and as he's going throughout the piece, he believes, at least in what I've sort of crafted, he believes that the law of the land is strict. It is if you have broken these laws, if you have broken these rules, you can no longer be a part of this tribe. Um, and he's trying to sort of adhere to these rules, and he's trying to keep sort of like an iron fist on the evening, which is why when Grizabella enters the first few times, he is pretty adamant about her rejection, mm-hmm. as is the rest of the tribe. Mm-hmm. The, and that kind of goes into the lesson of Cats that I don't think, again, it's something I don't think is discussed enough. It's, it is the story of redemption. It, it truly is. Um, in the backstory, again, that's not too fleshed out uh, within the crypt itself, but something that we've we've put hours upon hours into, is sort of everyone's relationship with Grizabella. What has she done? Why why are people so adamantly against her? And in what we have crafted, it's that she has broken some of those sacred laws of the tribe. She she left, and now she wants to return. And most of us are rejecting that. It's a, it's a very hard line. Um, but the lesson that Deuteronomy teaches is that redemption and acceptance and tolerance is really the is much 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 more important than the law of the land. Forgiveness is really the key to leadership, which I think is honestly something that we could really use in today's political and social climate. Um, just remembering that acceptance, forgiveness, and tolerance is really the key to leadership, not strict interpretation of of law. I got to talk to Brandon Michael Nace, who plays Old Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. and he said, as far as he's concerned, the show, there's one central question to the show. Why are they so mean to Grizabella? Mm-hmm. And how do you fix it? You know, would you want to be treated like that? And I really watched the show last night trying to see that perspective, which I hadn't really thought much about mm-hmm. seeing the show before. And I think it's very clear in this production that it is a show about redemption and that 
she gets to come back, everybody finally greets her, everybody's finally nice to her, and then she gets to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. And if you're not crying at that point, you just don't get it. And yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. I can't fix that for you. Well, what's beautiful about that moment, too, with because throughout the evening, you're seeing various nominees for this position. Who, who gets to go to heaven? The heavy side layer, as it's called on the show. And you see a lot of worthy candidates, but... Sometimes it's not about who's most worthy, it's about who needs it the most. And there's a line in the show that impacts me a lot, and it was something that was discussed a lot with, um, there was a woman named Chrissy Cartwright, who was one of the associates to the um, to Jillian Lynn, who was the original choreographer of the piece, and she worked with us during the rehearsal process. And there was one line that she, that she talked about a lot that really hit me, and I, I know I use it night to night. It's in memory, and she says... Um, when the dawn comes, tonight will be a memory too. And for me, that that line really means if I if tonight does not work out for me, if I cannot be accepted back into this tribe, everything in my life will be a memory, and tomorrow I'm just going to curl up into a corner and die. And whereas the other nominees, they have life to still live, they still have the great deeds that they can do. Grizabella's at the end of her rope, and she's the one who needs needs this the most and so despite all of the rejection deuteronomy notices this right away i mean right at the end of act one when he when they are both on stage together he notices this and he's waiting for the rest of the tribe to learn that lesson and i think the beauty is that moment when everyone finally embraces her and she goes down that receiving line and everyone has that moment gets to have that one moment with her before she's sent off into heaven it it really is beautiful and very very well crafted do you still tear up at anything? I do. <laughs> uh, there, well, there, there are a few moments in this show, um, both f- from plot and just because of sometimes because of the iconic nature, and again having grown up with it. Um, so obviously, memory. Uh, the end of that with within the character having that journey of complete rejection into realization into understanding and golly what a voice she has oh i know she she blows it out of the water she really i mean she blows the roof off the place she's wow. stunning um so i definitely still tear up in those moments and there's another moment that maybe not as obvious but it's during the big dance number at the end of the first act during the jellicle ball itself there's a moment where everyone sort of just lifts their arms in unison and i remember specifically seeing that on the vhs tape and I will occasionally have that moment of, I'm doing this. I'm on a Broadway national tour doing this every night. And it, it fills my heart. And I, it's, I'm so grateful. There's so much gratitude. Um, because I know how lucky I am to have this opportunity. And uh, it really is, it, it, it's fulfilling. And I'm sure with a song like Memory Central to the show that you remind yourself all the time, remember every moment of this. Sometimes it does get a little hectic being on tour. Tour life can be a little hectic, but, you, but you're but you right. You have to remember sometimes to step back, take a breath, and really take in what's happening in that moment instead of kind of getting swept up with the whirlwind. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're traveling week to week, you're in airports, you're on, you know, you're in buses, you're in cars, you're in a new hotel. You're, you're in a town, you don't know where you are. Exactly. So sometimes you just got to, and that usually happens for me on Thursday or Friday, mm-hmm. where you can just kind of step, stop, realize where you are, take that breath and go, wow. Who, if you had told, you know, 10-year-old me that this was going to be happening now, 
I probably, A, probably would not have believed you, but I know that I would have lit up like a Christmas tree. Absolutely. <laughs> so we, can we tell our listeners what you and I talked about in the lobby? Don't pet the cats. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. So uh, without going into too much detail or calling too many people out. The cats do come down through the audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So we, we are in the audience for uh, quite a bit of the show. Um, and I know I, I enter from the back of the house at the top of Act 2. And sometimes people seem to forget that we are, in fact, human beings in cat costumes. Uh, We are not cats. (laughs) Um, And sometimes they think that that means touching is okay, which it is not. Uh, Consent is sexy, ladies and gentlemen. So, you know... um, and even if you were cats, cats hate to be touched by strangers. Exactly. You know, we, as the line in the show goes, we resent familiarity. You know, it's so there is. So, as do not pet your cats. Yeah. If I have to just give one request to all audience <laughs> members, please, 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 do not touch the cats who are in the aisleways. <laughs> if they extend a paw to you, that's fine. But if they're just walking past you, I, I know the costumes are fun. I know the like the warmers look really cool. Please do not touch, uh, especially not in inappropriate <laughs> ways, because it is not appreciated by the actors, and also it's just not appropriate. And it's creepy, and they'll go to other cities and say, "When we were in Fayetteville, Arkansas, <laughs> so don't do it. It'll come back to bite us." Dan, thank you so much for coming to talk. Thank to you us. so much for having me. I really appreciate it.